Thanks for checking out the Church RC podcast today. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you. Now, here's Pastor Brian Sparks. Before I get started, come on, let's just welcome our online uh, community. They, they listen in. We got people that tune in from all over. Come on, New York. Russia, Japan, we've got them from all over, all right? So 2 Samuel 23, verse 8, and it says this. These are the names of David's mighty warriors. Josheb Basabeth, that's why they pay me the big bucks, because I can pronounce stuff like that. Uh, a Tokmanite, uh, I think that's what it is, was chief of the three. He raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. That's a bad dude. Amen? Lord, I thank you right now for the word of God. I thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. I thank you that every ear in here is open, receptive to hear your word. Lord, they didn't come to hear a word from man. They come to hear a word from you. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd use me to speak to the hearts of your people. Let every life be changed. Let no one leave the same. And everybody said... If you're taking notes today, you can title this message, The Ripple Effect. The Ripple Effect. You know, uh, my dad loves missions. He, he loves going on missions trips. In, in fact, he's getting ready uh, to take a trip right now that he's really excited about. He's going to Nepal, and, and as a church, we're, we're supporting him. He's going over there to minister to a bunch of pastors. But one thing that he always does is he always brings back artifacts from wherever he goes, right? I mean, he's got a lot of really cool things. Uh, his favorite is Africa. He, he, he thinks that he's African at heart. And so he's, he's got more drums. Uh, I, I mean, African drums in his, in his office. It's amazing. I mean, they're just piled everywhere, but he's always bringing back all these different artifacts from different places. And it's neat to, and he loves to walk through you, walk through and he's got a robe that he wears, uh, occasionally that's, you know, it's like a, a chief robe from, like he's got, it's just really cool to hear him tell stories and talk about all the places that he's been. But one, thing that he's had for as long as I can remember is uh, some, some dolls that he has kept on, on his bookshelves, and they're the rushing, uh, Russian nesting dolls. You ever seen these? It's where it's the dolls where you stack one inside the other, inside the other, and 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 so he's had these. I, I'm telling you, since I was in high school, he has had these Russian nesting dolls in his office, and uh, you know, I got to thinking about them and, and kind of just curious, like where did they come from? What what's the story behind it? Because everything kind of has a story, right? And so uh, I found out that in the 1890s, a toy maker decided that he needed to uh, create a toy. Uh, that, that Russian children would love. And he began to rack his brain. He thought, well, I'll make a, uh, uh, I'll make a solid doll, you know, just out of wood. And come on, this would not work in today's time, right? I mean, this is not going to entertain kids at all. But, but he's like, I'll just make a solid doll. Well, he got to thinking about it. He goes, you know what? Let's, let's actually, let's, let's, let's make it hollow and put one inside the other, inside the other, inside the other. And so that's exactly what he did, and, and it was a huge hit. Uh, not only was it a huge hit with uh, the kids, it was a huge hit with parents. Because the truth is, is that uh, it, it carried not just, it wasn't just a, a cool toy, it carried meaning. 
And the, and the, the parents were able to set back and say, here's the story. And the whole point of the Russian nesting dolls was this, that what you do doesn't just affect you. It affects the generation after you and the generation after that and the generation after that. And it continues to go until it finally arrives at the smallest one. And that is the hope and the future of us. And what's amazing is, is that there's this, this major impact that begins to happen when you begin to be forward thinking enough to realize that it's not just about you right here and right now, but what you're doing has an impact on the people around you. It has an impact on the generations to come. That's the whole point. And when you begin to understand that that's the way God thinks, you begin to think differently. Edgar Allan Poe asked a question. He said, it's all that we see or seem just a dream within a dream. I think the answer to that question is absolutely. The reason why is because when you begin to really understand that God had a dream, and that dream was creation, right? God had a dream, and it was creation, and he spoke, and it was. And on the sixth day, he created dreamers. He created people that had dreams. He, he, put, he put dreams on the inside of people. And here's what I like to tell people is this, that God's gift to you is your ability to dream. Your gift to God is pursuing that dream. When you begin to live your life and say, you know what, I'm not just going to have this dream on the inside of me, but I'm actually going to pursue, I'm actually going to go after, I'm actually going to do what God has put in my heart, that is our gift back to God. When we begin to live our lives, understanding that our lives can impact somebody else's. We can have a ripple effect on people's lives. Here's the thing, though, is if you're going to pursue those dreams, you're going to have to understand that at some point in time, you're going to have to stand. You're going to have to fight, and you're going to, have to, you're going to face impossible odds. There's going to be times when you are literally facing what seems to be impossible. I don't know about you, but 800 to 1 odds are not good. And when I say they're not good, when you're the 1, they're not good. If you're the 800, you feel pretty strong about yourself. But 800 to 1 odds, when you're by yourself and you're the only one, they're not good odds. But here's the thing, is that impossible odds set the stage for God to do his greatest miracles. I'll say it again, impossible odds set the stage for God to do his greatest miracles. But here's the deal, is that nobody, everybody loves to hear about miracles, but no one wants to need a miracle, right? You love the story, oh, I love to hear about, oh, my friend, man, he, they prayed and a bill all of a sudden got paid and it was amazing, but nobody wants to need the bill paid. No, nobody, everybody loves to hear stories about uh, Jericho and they marched around the walls and all of a sudden they fell flat, but nobody wants to be standing at the at foot of a wall. Everybody loves to hear stories about God parting the Red Sea, but nobody wants to be the one standing at a dead end with an angry army chasing you. Is anybody in here with me tonight, today? You gotta understand that nobody wants to be that person. Nobody wants to need a miracle. But here's the thing is when we face impossible odds, when it seems like there's no way out, when it seems like there's no possible way, that's when God shows up and does the greatest things. That's when he can show up in our lives. And we begin to say, man, if it wasn't for God, 
If it wasn't for God showing up, there's no way that I would be here today. See, here's the thing is, is that people have two categories. We put things in the impossible and we put things in the possible, right? We have two categories. It's either possible, you, you look at the situation, you look at the scenario, you look at the circumstance and you say, yeah, that's possible. I think it's possible. I think we can do that. Or we look at something, some things and we say, have you ever looked at something and said, that's impossible. There is no way. That's not going to happen. Because we have two things. But here's the thing is what you have to understand is that those two categories are man-created categories. They're man-created categories. It's something that man has set back and said, this is either possible or it's impossible. But what you need to understand is that God only has one category. And that one category is everything is possible. In fact, Jesus goes in Mark and he says this, everything is possible to him who believes. That means the only thing that's separating you from your miracle is belief. And when you begin to understand that everything is possible when God is on your side, if you just believe, that means if you're standing and you need a Red Sea parted, guess what? God can show up and he can part the sea. If you need a wall to come down, God can show up and he can cause the wall to come down. If you need healing in your body, God can come up, can show up and heal the sick. If the dead need to be raised, come on, he's been there, he's done that. He's, he's bought the t-shirt. I'm telling you, whatever you need in your life, God can do. He can set the attic free. He can restore your marriage. He can give you a promotion at your job. Quit looking at your circumstance and saying, it's impossible. What if we were a people that dared to believe great things? What if we were a people that looked at impossible odds and thought, man, I don't know how it's possible, but God, I believe this, that if you brought me to this thing, I don't see a way out. I don't see how it's going to happen. I don't see how you're going to make it happen, but I believe this, that anything is possible if I just believe. When you face impossible odds, it's scary. When you face impossible odds, it seems like that. It's impossible. And I love this in verse 8. Because here Josheb is, he's facing impossible odds. If you have 800 people trying to kill you, and you're standing by yourself, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking, this isn't going to be a good day. Right? Should have stayed home. Uh, I, 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 shouldn't have been, I shouldn't be here. These are impossible odds, but I love this. In verse 8, at the very end, it ends with two words. One encounter. One encounter. See, here's the thing is that Josheb is facing impossible odds, 800 to 1 odds, but when God is on your side, you are one encounter away from everything changing. You, I don't know what you're here today. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what's breathing down your neck. I don't know what sea you're standing at. I don't know what wall you're standing at, but I'm here to tell you right now, when you understand that when God is on my side, I am one encounter away from everything in my life changing. I am one encounter away from everything happening on my, uh, on my behalf. I am one encounter away from God doing something great in my life. But here's the thing is that you have to have faith. 
you have to believe. If you don't believe that God could show up and change everything in one encounter, you will run. Yeah, I don't, if you're smart, you're going to run. Because if you don't think that it's going to change, if you don't think God's going to show up, what you're going to do when you're facing 800 to 1 odds is you're going to turn around and run. But when you understand that God is on my side, and I really believe that he could show up and do something great, I understand that I'm one encounter away from God doing something amazing. But you have to have faith. Last week I gave you two definitions of faith, what I think faith is. If you were taking notes, I'll, I'll just refresh your memory on this. Faith is a willingness to look foolish. Right? Faith is a willingness to go out and look stupid. Here's the deal is that faith never looks, pra- it never looks practical to people. It never looks like, oh yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. When you face impossible odds, faith looks foolish when you begin to go after it. When you chase lions, when you go after what God has put in your heart. Number two, the second thing you need to understand is faith is unlearning your fears. Faith is unlearning your fears. Here's the thing is that we understand that we're only born with two fears. That's the fear of falling, right? And the fear of loud noises. And when you understand that if every other fear that you have, irrational, rational, doesn't matter, you you have learned that fear. And if you've learned it, it means you can unlearn it. And I want to give you a third one today. Just one more and we're done. Faith is taking the first step before God reveals the next step. Faith is taking the first step before God reveals the next step. You know, I, I, I don't know about you, but I love Google Maps. In fact, here's the thing is, is that, and, I, and I'm being completely and tr- truthfully honest here, I would go back to a flip phone if it wasn't for Google Maps. I, I'm tired of all this stuff. I don't need to be connected with the world 24-7, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I, I'm just, I'm done. I'm done. I'm, I'm ready. I don't know about you. This is an off subject. I don't know about you. I'm tired of reading about people's lives. I want to live my own, right? That's a good word just by itself. Some of you, you, you're at the kids' baseball game, but you ain't at the kids' baseball game. You're on your phone, right? Anyway, it's another subject for another day. But I would totally go back to a flip phone. Come on, Motorola Razor, baby. Bam. <laughs> bringing it back, bringing it back. Or let's go really old school and go back to a Nokia, Nokia brick phone. Those things were indestructible. They were indestructible. You could run over them with a car and they'd still call somebody. Awesome. But I could go back to a flip phone in a minute. But one thing I do need is I, I love Google Maps because I, I like being able to just punch it in and say, okay, I need to go here. I've never been here. Tell me how to get there. And Crystal will do this. She's usually my navigator, right? So she'll, she'll put it in the phone and she'll get it all ready to go. Hey, this is where we're going. And, and it never fails that when we're coming out of our neighborhood, it's like, turn right, turn left, turn right. I mean, she is, I'm like, shut up. Like, why are you talking so much? Like, quit. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know where I'm going. I know how to get to the interstate. You don't have to tell me all of this. But what happens is, is that when I finally get to the interstate, all of a sudden, she stops talking. She's silent. Right? Right? Completely silent. 
and it never fails that about 15 minutes will go by and I don't hear a word. You were all chatty just a minute ago. Now all of a sudden, you're not saying anything. You're not talking to me like, give me some feedback. Tell me what's going on. It's, she's so silent that I'll ask Crystal, babe, uh, is Google Maps still working? And I'll do this all the time, I'm telling you. She'll pull up the phone and she'll say, yes, it's still working. It's still doing what it's supposed to do. And here's the thing is the reason why she's not talking is because I'm still in the middle of the last thing that she told me to do. The reason why she's silent is because I'm still in the process of doing the very last thing that she told me to do. Here's the thing, is a lot of you are sitting around wondering why God is quiet in the middle of your situation. And you're sitting back going, God, you were all talking to me until I got to this point. But some of you are are, are sitting in the middle of the last thing that God told you to do. And you're wondering why he's quiet, why he's not speaking. Some of you are in the middle of it. And some of you hadn't even started it. You think you're waiting on God. And God's waiting on you. you you're sitting around going, God, here's the deal. Is it what, I don't expect Google Maps to download the entire map to me. It would be overwhelming. It would be too much information. Why do you think God is going to give you every step of the way on your way to your destiny or the way to your dream? you got to understand the step to the future starts with one step and then another and then another and then another. The road to your destiny is paved with obedience to taking the first step. God ain't going to download the whole thing to you, honey. I wish he would. I wish I could see it all. I wish he would paint it in front of me. But the thing is, is that he gives you a dream and he says this, I want you to take a step of obedience and begin to walk it out and to begin to take the step. And in the middle of the step, sometimes it's quiet. God, are you still working? God, are you still there? God, are you still, are you still with me? Are you still... You still on on my side? Are you still here? Some of you felt that. And if you're in the last thing that God told you, just keep walking. Keep stepping. Keep moving. Whenever it's time to turn right, whenever it's time to turn left, God says this, and I think it's in the book of Isaiah. He says this, I'll tell you which way to turn, either right or left. You just keep moving. Keep pressing. Keep going. Amen? Here's the thing is, is your actions or your inactions, your decisions or your indecisions have a ripple effect. We think of right here and right now, but we serve a God who thinks this way. He thinks of nations and generations. We don't serve a God who's just, he's with you right now, but he's thinking way far. He's, he's 10 moves, a thousand moves ahead of you. He's thinking about nations in generations, man, I got to move. Are you kidding me right now? Seven minutes to go. This is not enough time, folks. Here's the thing is, is uh, I, I recently had a, I met a great couple uh, named Ashley and Jeff. 
Jeff and Ashley, I guess I should say. And um, anyways, we were, we were talking on the phone, and, and Jeff and Ashley are missionaries to Haiti. They run an orphanage there. And so and they're awesome. They're doing a great work. They got 70 kids. We support them. It's awesome. It's amazing. But, but here's the thing is that I'm talking to Jeff and Ashley and I said, how did you get there? Right? I'm interested in people's story, right? I'm interested in how this thing works out. And, and, and they said this, they said, you got to understand that when we were in high school, our pastor had a heart and a desire to take a group of people to Haiti. So then he took this group to Haiti and we signed up for that trip. And when I got on Haitian soil, I began to have a heart for the people. And I didn't know how and I didn't know what God was going to do, but I knew this, that God was going to bring me back here. That somehow my destiny and my dream was tied to this place. Years went by and all of a sudden they had this opportunity to take over an orphanage there. So they sell everything that they have, they move to Haiti, and they start running an orphanage. Now here's the thing, is that because they took that step, and they're working this out, now then all of a sudden some people from our church hear about what they're doing, and they go over there. They're there, and they come back, and they tell us about what God is doing there, and how amazing it is. Now then, this summer, we're taking two teams, because y'all want to go to the uh, nations, we're taking two teams over to Haiti. Now here's what I want you to understand is that all of this started with one pastor having a dream to take one group to a nation. Is all that we see or seem just a dream within a dream? Is everything that we do having an impact on nations and generations? Is everything that we're moving and doing having an impact? I want to ask you a question, church. What are you doing to impact the next hundred years? Or are you doing anything? Here's the thing is, my job as a pastor is to comfort the afflicted. But I also have a job to afflict the comfortable. My job is to keep you from being complacent. To sitting back saying, you know what, I'm just going to just live my life and just do the best I can and just work. and do." And no, I want you to understand that I believe this with all of my heart. That God has put a dream on the inside of me and he's put a, a dream on the inside of you. That you have the ability to dream. And here's the thing, is that when you understand that God has given you the ability to dream, you'll start pursuing it and give a gift back to God. Everything that we see. It's just a dream within a dream. 1940, I got to end. Dr. J. Edwin Wheaton was a college professor. He took some students over to a museum. They arrived on the bus, and this museum was John Wesley's house. And uh, they, they kind of walked through. This was a Christian college, and he took them all through, and it was amazing. And they, oh, man, this is so neat. This is where John Wesley lived. They got to the room, the bedroom of John Wesley, and by the bed there was two marks where it said this, that these are the knee marks where John Wesley uh, kneeled every night and prayed for revival. Every night he he prayed so much and so often that it wore marks into the floor. They thought, man, this is amazing, this is awesome, and they got back to the bus. In 1940 this happened. 
Got back to the bus. He's doing a head count. He realizes that he's one short. He walks back in looking for his student. And there kneeling in the spot where John Wesley was, was a man named Billy Graham. Praying a prayer, God, do it again. God, send revival again. Here, the greatest man, the greatest evangelist of our time was praying a prayer. But here's the deal. John Wesley didn't know in those moments when he was doing the little things and just praying and asking God for revival, that it would birth a dream in, a, in the greatest evangelist of our time and say this, God, do it again. God, show up and send You did it once before. Would you show up and do it once again? See, everything that we have and everything that we do and every dream that we pursue post-dates us. It means that it goes on long after we're gone. Amen? I've got so much more, but i got to stop. Every head bowed, every eye closed. There's people that you will never know, you will never meet, that have impacted my life the greatest. Because they were willing to pursue their dreams, it bursts something in me to pursue mine. Lord, right now in this place, I pray that we would understand. Lord, that we would be a people that pursue our dreams because we understand that it has a ripple effect. That it doesn't just affect us, but Lord, that it affects nations. Lord, it affects generations. Lord, that you are such a big God that when we go after our dreams, when we pursue what's in our heart, God, you're doing something greater than we can ever know, we could ever see. And Lord, I pray that we would be a people of courage. Lord, that would go after our dreams, that would pursue the things that are in our heart. Lord, that we would realize that you've given us an ability to dream big dreams. God, that we would also understand that our pursuit of those dreams are our gift back to you. At The Church RC, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at thechurchrc.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Church RC. If you have a story to share about how God is moving in your life, you can email us at amen at thechurchrc.com.